Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On. I'm your host, Max Chowdick. Once again, this is not an interview. This is, uh, this is a different thing that we're doing right now. We're in the PFF studio. we got producer Ty and producer Eli back there, too. It's a special occasion, and we're you know doing some review. We just put out the review episode, so go check it out if you haven't already. Now it's time for a Week 2 preview. Got some major, huge games uh, coming down the stretch in Week 2. I cannot wait for. You know, as good as Week 1 was, you look back at the schedule, there was, really, there was only one game between ranked teams in Week 1. That, of course, was the... Uh, LSU Florida State game that was massive one of the biggest games of the year uh, week two has got two ranked games as well so uh, another huge huge game that we'll get into uh, at the last game that we're previewing here so I'm excited we're previewing five of the biggest games in my opinion uh, this week so I'm excited so let's start off with the first game that I wanted to talk about and of course subscribe to the channel by the way we're doing more content like this uh, with actually a co-host next week very excited about that um, so yeah, make sure you subscribe to the channel. More interviews coming as well. First game I want to talk about, and this is a, a team that featured a player that we interviewed, uh, Joe Alt, who is, in my opinion, the best offensive tackle in the country. Although you know Trevor Sikama and Connor Rogers probably disagree with me on that one. But with Olu Fashanu, who we also interviewed, by the way, uh, Notre Dame playing at NC State. I'm excited for this game. This is a noon kick, by the way, Eastern Time on ABC. The storyline for me in this game is that this is the first true test for Notre Dame. Everyone is high on the Fighting Irish right now. Everyone. They're 2-0. Uh, they looked really good in the two games. They've outscored their two opponents 98-6 to in those two games. So they looked phenomenal. However, they played Navy in Ireland, and they played Tennessee State. Navy, in according to PFF's power rankings that you can find at pff.com, Navy is outside the top 100 teams in the country, and Tennessee State is an FCS school. So not exactly the most difficult competition here for Notre Dame. They look great. I'm not taking that away from them. Not a difficult competition. Now, you go up against NC State, who PFF power rankings, not my rankings, but PFF's power rankings, have as a top 25 team in the country. And by the way, you're at, at NC State. It's a road game. For Notre Dame as well. So excited for that. I'm excited to see Notre Dame really truly tested. A top 10 team in the country now, Notre Dame, with a lot of people excited about them. Potential playoff team. You're, you're getting tested for the first time in this NC State game. So I'm excited for that. Matchup to watch for me is Sam Hartman, who really, NC State has had his number throughout his whole career. And Sam Hartman has been phenomenal so far this season. He has a 91.2 passing grade, which is fifth among Power 5 quarterbacks so far this season. and But really, you know, Sam Hartman, of course, transferring to Notre Dame from Wake Forest, ACC school that plays NC State every year. Sam Hartman has faced the Wolfpack three times in his career. He's lost two of those matchups. And he's thrown as many touchdowns as he has interceptions. He throws six touchdowns and six interceptions in those three games against NC State. So they've really had his number so far. Now, of course, he's, he's on a more talented team uh, in Notre Dame. But we'll see, man. We'll see what the Wolfpack got in this game. And I'm excited for this one. My, my final score prediction for this game, I have Notre Dame winning this one 27-21. Um, I don't think it'll be the explosive offense that we saw from Notre Dame against Navy and Tennessee, uh, Tennessee State. But... Uh, I do think that they'll be able to do enough to squeak by the Wolfpack. So 27-21, I have no number 10 Notre Dame winning this game, but it is the first true test for the Fighting Irish, so I'm excited to watch that. Next game, another noon kick, this one on Fox Eastern Time. Nebraska at 
number 22, Colorado. Number 22, Colorado. You say that six months ago, and people will think you're crazy. 1-11, Colorado. Now, all of a sudden, they're 1-0 and number 22 in the country. And by the way, they earned that number 22 ranking, man. They did with what they did against TCU. Storyline to know in this game, is Colorado legit? Are they legit? They had a 45-42 upset over TCU, like I mentioned before. They were three touchdown underdogs in that game. 21-point underdogs against TCU, and they beat them. Uh, Really, it took just one game for Deion Sanders to take the Buffaloes from one of the worst programs in college football to a ranked program. One game is all it took. Now, you face a Matt Rule-coached Nebraska team. Matt Rule, as bad as he was with the Carolina Panthers, he's a great college coach. He's a great college coach. That's all there is to say. He's, he's great at Temple. He was great at Baylor. Uh, again, disaster in the NFL. But I have, I have faith in him to turn this program around. He faced a good Minnesota team in week one. And Nebraska nearly won that game. Uh, they just, they really, down the stretch, I think they fumbled down the stretch in the last couple of minutes. Minnesota had a miraculous touchdown and a game-winning field goal at the end. So Nebraska really, I think a 10-point lead, uh, late five minutes or so left, and they blew it. This, that was still a good performance, I think, from Nebraska, and they should be uh, excited for this. Now it's time for Colorado to prove it, you know, against Nebraska, who is definitely worse than TCU, but still, uh, it's time to, to see if it's true, you know, if it's not a fluke or not. So my matchup to watch in this game is how will Nebraska handle Travis Hunter on both sides of the ball. If you watched our week one review, I know it was a, a longer episode. We probably spent half the episode talking about Travis Hunter because he had one of the best performances we've ever seen. Uh, again, 100-degree weather, 144 snaps. Uh, he was dominant at, at both corner with um, you know three forced incompletions and interception. He had 11 catches for 119 yards. Just an un, unreal performance. Now... Um, it's about how Nebraska can handle him. And that interception that Travis Hunter had was in the red zone. Jeff Sims, the Nebraska quarterback, is no stranger to red zone interceptions. In fact, he had one uh, against Minnesota on the six-yard line. Uh, one of his three interceptions, by the way, one of his three on the day, uh, two of them caught by Tyler Newbin, who is a uh, stock exchange darling. They love Tyler Newbin. I think he's a great player as well. Um, he had two interceptions on the day. Travis Hunter, star player for Colorado. Maybe he could have a big day as well. Um, but Jeff Sims, man, 29.7 passing grade against the Golden Gophers. Really, the, if I'm Matt Rule, I'm going to Jeff, and I'm saying, dude, do not look at number 12. Don't look at him. It doesn't matter. If you think he's open, don't look at him because he is that good. He's that good. So I'm excited to see what uh, Colorado does with, with Travis Hunter in this game, whether or not he plays that many snaps and, you know, at uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, Nebraska did a good job with Minnesota's passing game. You know, Ethan Kalik Manis, the new quarterback after Tanner Morgan left, uh, only four and a half yards per attempt in that game. So they're gonna have the hands full, though. It's it's a different beast, man. It's a different beast. This Colorado passing attack, which again is is insane to say after just one game compared to what they were a year ago. But Shador Sanders, he had 510 yards against the Horn Frogs. It's a different animal. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see Travis Hunter. You know, number 12 is going to be the player to watch on both sides of the ball. If he continues these kinds of performances, he will be holding up the, the stiff arm trophy, the Heisman trophy uh, at the end of the season because he is special. Um, overall prediction, I have Colorado winning this game. It's, I think it's a three-point spread right now. Uh, I think they're going to pull away from Nebraska. I think it's 35-24. Um, Deion Sanders, as Colorado head coach, starts off 2-0. and By the way, 2-0. and He's already passed the team's win total from last season if he wins this game. 
in the second week of the season. Unreal, unreal turnaround for Deion Sanders if they can do this. So uh, 35-24 is my final. I think Colorado's going to 2-0 and climbing even higher in the rankings. Next game, one of the two ranked team games that we got on this docket here today or uh, this weekend is number 20 Ole Miss at number 24 Tulane, which is 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. This game should be higher on ESPN, ESPN at least, if not ABC. Uh but there is a game on ABC at 3.30 that we're going to talk about pretty soon. But for me, the storyline I'm watching this game is two explosive offenses square off. Both quarterbacks in this game, Jackson Dart for Ole Miss, Michael Pratt for Tulane, they were fantastic in their season debuts. Dart earned a 93.1 grade uh, in the Rebels' 73-7 win over Mercer, which was third among FBS single cards. He also was phenomenal last season, too. I know it's Mercer, FCS school. We're not really too impressed by that. But still, he was great last year, too. So I, I, I am a believer in Jackson Dart. Uh, meanwhile, Michael Pratt, man, who I love. I think he's a top at least 15 quarterback in the country. Michael Pratt had a 98 passing grade in Tulane's 37-17 win over South Alabama, 98. South Alabama, by the way, no slouch. This is That's a pretty good team. He had a 98 passing grade. Not only, of course, that leads all quarterbacks in the country. That's the second highest single game mark in the PFF college era. The only one higher than him was Jalen Hurts, who had a 98.6 grade against West Virginia in 2019. Of course, Jalen Hurts now one of the best quarterbacks in the world right now. Um, yeah, man. Michael Pratt was phenomenal. I think he attempted 15 passes, if I remember. 14 of them he completed. He had four big-time throws, I think, on just 15 attempts. Four big-time throws. The only incompletion he had was dropped. So, basically, he played a perfect game, basically, uh, against South Alabama. So, between those two quarterbacks, this should be uh, potential for fireworks, man. This could be an explosive game. The matchup to watch, though, for me, is Will Tulane be able to stop Quinshawn Judkins, who, in my opinion, the Ole Miss running back, is the second-best running back in college football behind Michigan's Blake Corum. Uh, Judkins, you know, it it was a quiet season debut. But then again, they didn't. why risk an injury to your best player against Mercer that you're beating by 66 points? Why risk an injury uh, with your to your best player? So it was a quiet debut. He still had two touchdowns runs by the way but you know 13 carries 60 yards two touchdowns 74.3 grade he was fine they didn't want they didn't need to use him that, that was really the big takeaway wasn't he, he could play well he played actually pretty good they just needed to use him this game they're going to use him they're going to use Quinchon Duckins in this game I think he should be featured a lot more heavily by the way only a true sophomore by the way this guy is a superstar he was a true freshman last year and was one of the best running backs in the country last year only a three-star recruit coming out of high school too this wasn't like uh, B. John Robinson, who, you know, five-star coming out of high school, becomes a superstar, you know, not surprising. Quinshawn was surprising. So I think he's the number two running back in the country. Wasn't used in week one. That's going to change in week two. Um, Tulane, South Alabama, um, you know, only had 2.3 yards per attempt in that game. But Judkins, uh, like I said with Travis Hunter, Judkins is a different animal, man. Different beast. And the Jaguars, um, you know, does Green Wave going to have their hands full with with uh, with Judkins? And, uh, you know, they're not – Judkins is not like anyone the Jaguars, South Alabama Jaguars had. So uh, I got Ole Miss winning this game, 34-28. I think it would be a close game, but I think the, the Rebels will pull out because I think Quinshot Dutkins and, and Jackson Dart, Trey Harris, 
who had three touchdown catches, I think, in the first three minutes of that Mercer game. And I tweeted out that he's on pace for 60 touchdowns, 60 touchdowns in just the the one game. But obviously, he stopped there. But uh, yeah, that that almost passing attack, Lane Kiffin, of course, coaching them. That offense is electric, and I think it'll it'll be a little too much for Tulane to handle. Um, even though I really like the Green Wave this year, and they have a shot to be the New Year's Six Bowl team out of the Group of Five. Even though I'm picking UTSA, but uh, yeah, 34-28, I got Ole Miss winning that game. Next game I want to talk about is the game that is on ABC at 3.30. Number 23, Texas A&M at Miami. Storyline to know in this game is that both programs need this game. They need this game. They Both programs need to win this game. They, uh, last year, there was high expectations for both Texas A&M and Miami, and both programs were extremely disappointing extremely disappointing texas a&m in fact started the year in the preseason poll they were number six in the country number six there are people calling this team a playoff contender national championship contender they had the greatest recruiting class in history coming in they went five and seven it was it was terrible they really they crashed and burned it was five and seven they were bad miami reached as high as number 13 in the ranking, not number six like Texas A&M, but still top 15 team in the country Miami was. Tyler Van Dyke was talked about as a potential first-round quarterback. He crashed and burned. The Hurricanes crashed and burned. And like the Aggies, they finished 5-7. and seven. So these are two programs who Jimbo Fisher, I'm not saying he's on the hot seat because he has a massive contract and that buyout is still not as big as it used to be, but it's still massive. Mario Cristobal, it was his first year last year, so they're going to give him more time. But this is a game that they need to win. Both programs need to win this game. Because if not, the fan bases are going to grow a little restless, I would say. So, important game. This is a, it's an important game to prove that last year was a fluke and that you know this program is heading in the right direction. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a big game for both teams because they both teams kind of need this one to, to get back on track right now. Um, the matchup to watch, though, for me is this Texas A&M passing game against Miami's pass defense. Uh, Connor Wagman, the the Texas A&M quarterback, I am super excited about. By the way, he was a five-star recruit in that illustrious Texas A&M recruiting class, quite literally the greatest recruiting class in history. That 2022 class, they, they had eight five stars, eight five stars, eight eight of the top 25 players in the country went to Texas A&M. That is absurd. So greatest recruiting class ever. It takes some time to develop. A lot of those five stars actually transferred out after after last year. Connor Wagman didn't. He's the quarterback now. Uh, he was a top one of the top quarterbacks coming out of high school, and he looked good. I think as a freshman, it was up and down. He had some great games and some not so great games, but he's a true freshman. You know what do you expect from a true freshman quarterback in the SEC? Connor Wagman last week against New Mexico, who are one of the worst teams in the country, but still, Connor Wagman uh, had a ninety-one point nine grade five touchdown passes in a 52-10 victory. And also, another one of those five-star recruits in that class was Evan Stewart, the sophomore, who was a top 10 recruit coming out in 2022, uh, the number two receiver in that class as well. The Aggies have a top 10 receiving core in the country, in my opinion. It's headlined by Evan Stewart. He had 115 yards and two touchdowns against the Lobos. Also, helping out Wagman, besides that a great receiving core, is his offensive line, which I think is a top 10 offensive line in the country too. So this passing game for with Bobby Petrino now as the offensive coordinator, it should be better. It should be better. And I, I think Wagman is a big reason for that. He, he looks like it's early, but he looks like he could be one of the top quarterbacks in the 2025 draft. Him and Drew Aller, I would probably say, is number one right now. But Wagman's not too far behind, I would say. 
Um, Miami's defense, though, is is no slouch. They have legitimate players on this Miami defense. The Hurricanes have the best safety duo in the country in Cameron Kitchens, who I would probably argue is the best safety in the country. Uh, First-round prospect for PFF as well. And James Williams, massive safety, six foot four, looks like Kyle Hamilton a little bit. Um, really good safety. So best safety to do in the country. I think James Williams is top five safety in the country too. So they have two top five safeties in college football. I think Miami though, they also have a top ten defensive line. Leonard Taylor the third headlines that he's a projected top fifteen pick. Go check out uh, Trevor Sikama's mock draft. He put Leonard Taylor in the top fifteen, and. It could give them fits. It could give them fits. They have a defensive line that can that can Akeem Azador, also the the edge defender there. He's a really good edge defender. They could give my they could give uh, Texas A&M fits. The defensive line could probably can you know create some pressure on Wagman. The, the secondary, I don't think the Miami corners are great, but they're okay. Uh, but the safeties are fantastic. So it's going to be it could create them you know some mismatches on on both sides so i'm I'm excited for this um this should be a great game i'm really excited for this game like i said this is a a game that is super important for both programs i have a&m winning this game 27 24 gonna be one of the best games of the weekend i think um i think a few clutch plays though from connor wagman and a&m defense we haven't talked about it too much i think a&m's got some talent on that defense too they'll be able to slow down tyler van dyke enough so i think a&m's gonna win this one close Last game we're talking about here is by far the biggest game of, of this weekend. Number 11, Texas at number three, Alabama. 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time kick on ESPN. Storyline to know in this game, is the Jalen Moreau improvement, is it real? Is it real? Now, I'm not trying to bash the kid, but... When Jalen Moreau was put in for Bryce Young, when Young went down the shoulder injury, and also when Jalen in some blowouts too, he was not good. He, frankly, not good. He actually, uh, of all FBS quarterbacks with at least 75 dropbacks, Jalen Moreau had the worst passing grade of all quarterbacks in the country with at least 75 dropbacks, 30.3 passing grade, and 10.3% turnover-worthy play rate. Again, worst in the country in that group. So... He was ter- like really not good. Really, he's a great runner, great runner, and you saw it uh, last week against uh, Middle Tennessee. Great runner, but as a passer, just wasn't there. It wasn't there. Um, so that's why when he was named the starter, I was a little concerned. Um, but then again, you have Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame transfer, who didn't look good either. Uh, Ty Simpson, five-star recruit in the 2022 class, but again, he has five dropbacks to his name. What do we know about him? So Jalen Moreau is probably the safest option, I, I guess, but. Uh, yeah, I was concerned. Now, I will say, to his credit, he looked phenomenal in week one. Really good. 92.3 grade against Middle Tennessee, which was fifth among FBS quarterbacks. Caveat, though, it's Middle Tennessee. You know, so I, I'm still in a wait and see. I'm, I'm very encouraged by that performance. I'm very encouraged by that performance from Jalen Moreau. He looked a lot better as a passer. I think his passing grade is around 85. A lot better as a passer. But it's a wait. It's a wait and see for me. It's still a wait and see. I'm not. I'm not crowning this guy. You know, next great Alabama quarterback at all. But uh, it's a wait and see. And also, you know, this is the game for him. Now, this is the time for for me and for everyone else to be proven wrong because he's going against a, a good Texas defense. It, it got some really. It got some dudes on that defensive line. And also, their secondary, in my opinion, is a top five secondary in the country. They have a really, really good secondary. No weaknesses, I think, in that secondary. And Alabama's receiving core. 
is good, but it's not like you know Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, good, or uh, J- you know John Mechie or anything like that is good, but it's not that good. You know, so you know Jalen Monroe is going to be. This is a big game for him. It's a big game to prove that you know this this improvement is real. Um, but you know it's 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 huge. So that is what I'm you know really looking at. The other thing on the other side of the ball, what I think is is going to be the the most electric part of this game, the matchup to watch in this game, is can Quinn Ewers, the Texas quarterback, can he recapture the magic that he had last year? If you remember last year when Texas played Alabama in Austin in Texas, they had them on the ropes, man. They had Alabama on the ropes. And it took some heroics, heroics from Bryce Young to for Alabama to escape with a game-winning field goal with no time left. 20-19 to 19, uh, was the final score in that game. Ewers, he was a surgeon in the first quarter. He had a 90.2 grade in the first quarter with th- three big-time throws on just 14 attempts. In the first quarter, he had three big time throws in the first quarter. That means he's on pace for 12 big time throws in the game. Now, of course, he's probably going to keep up at that pace, but that's what he was on pace for against a, a great Alabama defense, by the way. Three big time throws in that first quarter. Late in that opening quarter, though, if you remember, Dallas Turner, who could be a first round pick in the draft, the edge defender, hit him hard after he threw a ball, landed on his non throwing shoulder, uh, suffered an SC sprain to his non throwing shoulder, knocked him out of the game, knocked him out for a few weeks. And really did not look the same the rest of the season. Um, but if if Ewers doesn't go down, they only lost by one point with, with Hudson Card playing most of the game. If Ewers doesn't go down, it stands to reason Texas is winning that game if Ewers does not go down. Now, Ewers is healthy, and he has a he really has a chance to finish the job this time around. He's got the number two receiving core in the country, in my opinion. This receiving core is ridiculous. They have Xavier Worthy, the speedster, who one of the best receivers in the country, top five receiver in my opinion. A.D. Mitchell, Georgia transfer, who Trevor Sikama has, I think, as a first-round prospect on his big board. Uh, Six-foot-four guy, huge, and he's he's really good. Jatavion Sanders, number two tight end in maybe college football. I'd probably argue Brevin Span for, but maybe college football, but definitely the, the 2024 draft. Jatavion Sanders behind Brock Bowers. He could be a first-round pick at tight end too, which we rarely see two tight ends go in the first round. Jatavion Sanders has the talent to do it. Um, they have Jordan Whittington coming back as well. He was the number two receiver for the last couple of years. Uh, they have a, a ton of other guys coming back as well. Uh, Isaiah Nayer, the Wyoming transfer who missed all of last season. He was phenomenal at Wyoming the year before, though. So they have some really good players in that receiving core. Um, Jonathan Cook, a freshman, too, five-star freshman. So that receiving core, I think, behind Ohio State, who has Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming, like that's easily the best receiving core in the country. But after that, I think I would argue Texas and Washington are, are right behind there. So, and also the offensive line is phenomenal too. All five starters back. Kelvin Banks uh, will be one of the top offensive tackles in the country next year. He already is right now, but he'll be one or two next year with Will Campbell, uh, the true sophomore. So, top ten offensive line. Um, but Alabama has a great defense. It's Nick Saban. He's one of the greatest defensive coaches in football history, not just college football history, football history. Him and Bill Belichick are probably up there. But the issue with Alabama's defense right now, they could be without two starters in their secondary because both safety Jalen Key, the transfer from Louisiana, who was actually who was really, really good against Middle Tennessee, he suffered an injury. Malachi Moore, the slot corner, he suffered an injury. Uh, Nick Saban doesn't know whether or not 
either of them will be able to go. So that's two starters in your secondary going up against an electric passing offense at, at Texas. It could be it could spell trouble for the Crimson Tide. I'll say that with if Quinn Ayers can recapture the magic, he's got that receiving core. He's got a, a decent offensive line that should be able to hold up on, enough against Dallas Turner again, who's back. Um, it could spell trouble for Alabama, and with that Texas secondary maybe giving trouble Jalen Moreau. They're the underdogs by a touchdown, but I got Texas winning this game. I think they're going to finish the job this time around. I think the Longhorns are winning this game, 27 to 24, huge upset in Tuscaloosa. Listen, I like Alabama. I like Jalen Moreau. I loved what he showed last week, but I think this Texas team is going to finish the job this time around with a healthy Quinn Ewers, with that receiving core, with a beat-up Alabama secondary, with a great Texas secondary, um, and a, you know, wait-and-see quarterback at Alabama right now. I think Texas is winning this game, and I know they're a touchdown underdog, um, so maybe, you know, if you're a betting man, lay some money on Texas' money line. But I think Texas is winning this game, man. I think it's going to be an unbelievable game like it was last year. And I think Texas will will get the revenge. And Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas head coach, used to be Nick Saban's offensive coordinator, becomes uh, joins the rare club, the exclusive club, of former Nick Saban assistants that beat Nick Saban. Kirby Smart's in that club. Uh, as well, I think Jimbo Fisher is in that club. There's a lot of, you know, not not that actually. There's not a lot of people in that club. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian, I think, will join that club after this game. So should be an awesome weekend of college football. I am so so excited about it. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Max Chadwick CFB. And uh, yeah, make sure you subscribe to the channel, man. We got more content like this, more interviews, of course, with top players and media personalities and coaches, but more content like this too, where we just get to talk ball, uh, you know, review the previous week, talk about the upcoming week. I, I am so pumped about this. So uh, major thanks to the producers, of course, Tyler and, and Eli back there have been making me look good up here. But uh, yeah, man, I, I can't wait for this weekend. So subscribe to the channel and uh, I'll see you guys next time.